0: Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 43, Colonial Animals. Animals in the ocean, and several different lineages of them, have learned to live a way totally foreign to us animals up here on land. And I don't just mean living underwater underwater. Many different evolutionary lines have struck upon group living as a successful strategy in a way that is not really seen in animals on land. And by group living, I mean colonial animals. The Cnidarians, which include corals, hydroids, jellyfish, and anemones. The Bryozoans, aka moss animals. And the Ascidians, also known as tunicates. All feature well-developed colonial living as part of a suite of life histories used by different species in each group. Colonial living sounds pretty simple, but actually it's not. We should start by defining what we mean. And in this case, I am talking about animals that are modular, made up of genetically identical individuals that remain physically connected. Each individual module is called a zoid, It is typically a complete organism, but instead of going off to live life on its own, it stays connected to all its clone siblings. And not just side by side, sharing some tissue. Take coral, a well-known example. The large reef-building corals that we know and love from Blue Planet or maybe snorkeling on a tropical vacation are colonial. Each individual coral animal is a polyp, like a tiny little anemone. The basic body plan of an anemone, or coral polyp, is that of a grocery bag. The opening at the top serves as mouth and anus, and the inside of the grocery bag is the gastrovascular cavity, a multi-purpose body space where digestion happens, fluids circulate, and even gametes can be released. In the case of the corals, they are all connected to each other by having tissue that connects their gastrovascular cavities. Each coral has its own primary gastrovascular cavity, but from these, resources can travel through the interconnected tissue, forming a massive network that enables the organism to share nutrients and resources across its entire surface. Colonial animals also feature both sexual and asexual reproduction. In most of these marine invertebrate colonial animals, a new organism forms when there's a fertilized egg, an embryo formed from gametes from two parents. This embryo develops into a larval form, free floating in the water column, and then metamorphoses into a tiny adult and settles on the bottom. All of the colonial organisms you would regularly see in the intertidal zone here in Maine are benthic and sessile, meaning stuck to the bottom. From there, the tiny adult starts reproducing asexually cloning itself, making zoid after zoid, and those zoids clone themselves, and before long you have a large mass of interconnected individuals anatomically evolved to efficiently share resources among one another, possibly cheating death, as they can continue on growing by making more clones. There's evidence that some of these organisms, especially the corals, can live for decades, centuries, or even millennia. The animal, or colony, can be kind of hard to know what to call them sometimes can then produce gametes for sexual reproduction there's an evolutionary push and pull at work here sexual reproduction is expensive in a physiologic sense but very strongly favored for the genetic recombination it enables asexual reproduction is easy low-hanging fruit and allows an animal significant runway for maintaining itself but in the end doesn't do the job of getting the genes to the next generation In this way, colonial animals have the best of both worlds. You might think that each zoid, because it's genetically identical, will look identical as well. But many colonial animals are polymorphic, meaning the zoids can have specific jobs and look markedly different. This sounds weird, but it isn't really. In most cases, all the cells in your body are genetically identical, but do dramatically different jobs. Take hydroids, for example. You may remember staring through a microscope sometime in your school career, looking at prepared slides of the classic model organism Obelia, a colonial hydroid with several different types of zoids. Gastrozoids are the eating zoids. They catch the food and digest it. Gonozoids make gametes and are responsible for sexual reproduction. And so on. Colonial animals are long neglected in marine biology, but in many ways may shed light on the evolution of multicellular animals. Our own bodies grow through asexual reproduction. Cells grow and divide, grow and divide. We don't think of them each as their own individual entity, but in some ways they aren't that far off from each zoid of a coral or colonial tunicate. The line is more than philosophical here, but like many things, it gets blurrier the harder you look at it. This has been episode 43 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. Check out photos of colonial organisms on our Instagram. Search The Essential Rhythm. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.